let me teach you a few things. If you're going to be here at 8 a.m., you show up at 7.45, on time is late. If you're going to clean the pool, you go above and beyond. I want you to clean the uh, the shed, straighten up the lawn furniture, clean the windows. Even though I'm not paying you for that, you got to make yourself invaluable. When I come home, it's got to be like, oh my God, I can't live without this guy. Third, never ask for money. You'll get paid when you provide value. Those were three lessons that just stuck with me throughout life that have worked. Happy New Year, and thank you to everyone who's been supporting us in 2020. And we are ready to make 2021 your best year yet. Welcome back to the Art of Charm podcast, a show designed to help you win at work, love, and life. We know you have what it takes to reach your full potential, and that's why John and I are here every week to share with you interviews and strategies to help you develop the right social skills and mindsets to succeed. You shouldn't have to settle for anything less than extraordinary. I'm AJ. And I'm Johnny. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and let's kick off today's show. Now, we have a guest who is extraordinary. Today, we're speaking with Joe DeSena. Joe is the founder and CEO of Spartan Race. That's the world's leading obstacle race. Joe is also a New York Times bestselling author, and to be honest, he has quite a colorful past, which we will get into. We're super excited to chat with him today about the Spartan lifestyle, and of course, Ask him some of our listener questions from our mailbag. So we'll be answering your questions together with Joe. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Thanks for having me. I can't get anybody who wants to talk to me, so I'm just psyched to be here. <laughs> well, we definitely want to talk to you. And first, we were researching a little bit and, and heard a very interesting story about a mentor you had very early in your career, if we could even call it that. At uh, the age of 11, you had a, a crime boss living next door who became your mentor. How did that happen? Yeah. So uh, I grew up in a neighborhood that was uh, riddled with, with organized crime. For whatever reason, uh, four of the five uh, family bosses moved to this neighborhood. It wasn't necessarily a neighborhood uh, that you would envision like cars burning. It's actually a, a really nice neighborhood. All these bosses were in this neighborhood. And my parents start to get divorced. My dad is, is having a really tough time with his business. My neighbor, who's the boss of Banana Organized Crime Family at the time, He's what's going on, invites me over to the house on a Saturday morning and says, hey, you can come clean the swimming pool. I'm going to pay you $35 a week. He had three daughters. I was like his son. I lived next door. I had red hair. I didn't really fit in the look of all these guys, you know, with dark skin, and dark hair. And I started cleaning the pool and I'm cleaning the pool. And he says, kid, over the years, he taught me a bunch of lessons, but very early on, he said, kid. Let me teach you a few things. If you're going to be here at 8 a.m., you show up at 7.45, on time is late. If you're going to clean the pool, you go above and beyond. You clean. I want you to clean the, uh, the shed, straighten up the lawn furniture, clean the windows. Even though I'm not paying you for that, you got to make yourself invaluable. When I come home, it's got to be like, oh, my God, I can't live without this, this guy. And then um, third, never ask for money. You'll get paid when you provide value. Those were three lessons that just stuck with me throughout life that have worked. In, in, a, in a big way. And, and so I like to tell them they came from the most unlikely source, but um, really valuable lesson. This sort of sounds like a Bronx tale, right? And so I'm kind of curious to what your dad had to say while you were working for all of these guys and putting together a business that was dealing with all their pools, homes, cars, and all that. Yeah, well, well funny enough, the, the business turned into a business of just that. I had 700 customers at its peak. I paid for my, my way through college with it. And most of those customers, you know, 
70%, 500 of those customers were affiliated in some way with this, this way of life. I was perfectly fine with it. I, I looked up to it. I mean, uh, they look at children in Africa, for example, that grow up in places where there's lots of uh, marathon runners, successful marathon runners, and they wonder, is it the air? Is it the water? What is it? No, what they find is uh, not just in marathon running, anything. It's the young kids growing up seeing the previous runner who has a Mercedes up on the hill in the nice house, and the young kids want that. So I was no different. I was a young kid that wanted that. I wanted that big house. I wanted that respect, the nice cars, the rolls of $100 bills in the pocket, right? So, so there were lots of them. They were my customers. I was proud of it. I was happy with it. I think my dad was happy that I was a hustler, that I got after it, that I worked hard. And I think he just made sure that I never crossed the line, right? He saw a lot of guys make the, the mistake, you know, and my dad had to, had to straddle the line. You know, I come, I come from an all Italian family. You could read between the lines. There were, there's, you know, not everybody went the right way. And so my dad just, you know, like any father would with his son and his daughter was just making sure that I didn't cross the line. But it was hard because I wanted to cross the line, right? Just <laughs> I bet. wanted to. I, I you know, I, I sought it. And right. And the dad is trying to, I have children now. Kids don't listen to their dad about, or mom, about eating healthy. Forget about like not doing bad stuff, right? Like we're attracted to it. We don't know any better. So anyway, he tried and he succeeded. He succeeded. I got, I, you know, I got lucky. I, I, I ended up going to Wall Street and I got my fix on Wall Street. And the funny thing is, uh, not a lot of people know this. The funny thing is that neighbor, because he went to jail, he had a table at the hottest restaurant in New York called Rayo's. Uh, he had a standing table there and I got that table. And that table really helped catapult me uh, on Wall Street because anybody would do business with you to get to get a, a seat at the table at Rayo's, right? Because when you're in there, you're with Denzel Washington, you're at the head of New York Stock Exchange, a couple of wise guys are in the corner. So that you could not get a, a, a seat at that table. Now, many in our audience would love to have a mob boss mentor and a finance mentor to, to help pave that way for them. What are the lessons that you've learned along the way in terms of keeping mentors, attracting mentors, and obviously now mentoring others? from people way smarter than me, much better educated. I've been told it's ridiculous how many meetings I take, how many people I talk to, how randomized it is. In other words, you should set out your strategy, figure out who your mentors are, you know, who your friends are, who people you want to do business with. And I've just always taken an approach to just meeting lots of people. It leads you down roads that you otherwise wouldn't go down, right? It leads you places you think into things I might not have made it to wall. I might not have gotten the pool business. I might not have had a table at, so I just stay friendly with everybody, talk to everybody. And then you would be surprised how people just say yes. If you ask for help, Hey, I'd love to touch base with you once every two weeks. I don't want to waste your time. I'd love to pick your brain. Would you be my man? People say yes. I say yes. Now, if you don't listen to me, <laughs> you send me long emails that I got to, I got to read. You waste my, like, I'm not interested then. But if it's just very, very quick and I could help, of course. So my message to folks out there would be talk to a lot of people. Don't sit on your couch waiting for like 
an, a meteorite to hit you in the head. Go out and get it. Make your own luck. Make your own connections. And then ask. Ask for the order, as we would say on Wall Street. And certainly getting there early, going above and beyond when you do get that opportunity of a mentor sharing some information with you, following up, and then, of course, not making it transactional. Just about, hey, what can you do for me? goes a long way towards winning over these highly successful people who can guide you, who can shape you. Now, as a parent, and we'll get into the Spartan values, and we sort of laughed about this earlier, Spartan household, you know, what are those lessons and values that you're bringing to your kids to help them reach the same level of success? You know, I had a huge advantage, right? I had my dad. I didn't know it was an advantage at at the time, but anytime we sat around, my dad was talking about business. So-and-so just opened up a pizza place. He's selling those pizzas for, you know, $11 a pie. They're probably costing him three. And it was just regular conversation. He was holding a college class for me. I didn't know it. Constantly talking about business. And so even, you know, just through osmosis, I was, I was picking it up. So I, I need to do that more. I'm not doing that enough. What I am doing a lot of is, hey, we work hard. We might not be the smartest. We not, might not be the best slogan, whatever, but we fucking work hard. That's what we do. And so these kids are up every morning and they work. And you heard my wife earlier, like, and all right, we're going to learn Latin. I never learned Latin, but I know a lot of smart people that know Latin. So we're going to learn Latin. Oh, and by the way, you're going to speak Mandarin. You're going to speak Spanish. We're going to do math every day. And just when you think, you know, we finally got a moment to breathe, we're going to do more work because that's what we do. We work hard. All right. That's the ethos here in this house, we eat healthy and we train and we sweat, we take care of ourselves. And so, you know, I definitely need more of those lessons that I'm, that I'm slowly seeping into their brains on business because they're going to have to survive. They're going to have to figure out a way to make a living, right? I don't want them to live in the basement. For our programs and the fathers that come in is to make them aware of how much children are watching them and picking things up they may not be getting the lesson that you want them to get in that moment when you sit them down but they're picking up everything else the minute you sit them down and tell them this is what i want you to learn it goes in one ear out the other however your behaviors the way you think the way you frame things your perspectives all that after years they pick up and they start implementing in their own lives and something that you mentioned there is very important right now this is a difficult time with covid and everything but the one thing that you do not hear a lot in the media is what we need to do for our own health for our own immune systems to eat to stay healthy and i would love to hear your take on that and what you have for your coaching clients and for your children in this time when getting sick is certainly on everyone's minds well first of all you got to get outside. Who the hell am I to give advice on this stuff? I didn't study it formally, right? I'm not a, a doctor. My mom was into this in the 70s. <laughs> and, you know, the race, the first race she introduced us to was a 3,100-mile run around a one-mile loop. And so we got to test. I didn't do that event, but we got to test ourselves doing really tough events all over the world and find out what works and what doesn't for our bodies, our brains. And over time, at least for me, 
I found a couple of, I can't even call them hacks, but like they're really ancient, you know, methodologies, principles, whatever you want to call them, that if you do them on a daily basis, you'll be a little harder to kill. So wake up early and sweat. Don't tell me I'm a night person. I like to, that's great. Wake up early and sweat. Your day's going to go better. Drink water first thing in the morning. Room temperature water, chug it. Your body's very much like a swimming pool. Remember, I'm a swimming pool expert. <laughs> Your body's very much like a swimming pool. A swimming pool is 20,000 gallons. Depending on the size, let's call it 20,000 gallons. Has a pump and a filter. Human body, somewhere between, let's call it 10 gallons of water. Has a pump and, and some filters. Your heart, obviously, is the pump. You've got the liver, the kidney, the lungs. In the morning, when you wake up, you chug two big glasses of water, minimum room temperature. You're flushing out the filters. Guys, guess what happens when you turn the pump off on a swimming pool? When you don't run that pump for three days, <laughs> the pool starts to turn green. What happens to your, like, what happens to your body? That's exactly what happens. You've got to run that pump. You've got to clean those filters. And by the way, guys, if I was to take the amount of stuff that we eat on a daily basis on average, the ice cream, the French fries, the Cokes, the, and pour it into a big 20,000-gallon swimming pool, the pool would turn green. It wouldn't be able to filter out all that shit that we eat. We're expecting these little swimming pools, our bodies, to deal with all this stuff. Not that I'm a conspiracy guy, simply because we're sold a bunch of BS. So if you want to be healthy, you literally are what you eat. You got to sweat. You got to run the pump. You got to, you know, you, you got to work out and then you got to eat as clean as you can. You don't need all this extra stuff that we're being sold. You don't need it. I don't need it. I'm, I'm particular. You, you're listening to me and I still consume 50% more stuff than I need. And, and I know it because I've been out there for 20, 30 days doing events, carrying my own water and food, like, I've done it with very limited, you don't need very much. So wake up in the morning, drink the water, sweat, take an ice cold shower. My mother was pushing cold showers in the 70s, well before Wim Hof. He's awesome, by the way. I'm not nothing against him. Make sure you breathe. We're definitely not breathing enough. We're spending most of our free time on, put the device down. Don't spend all your free time on the device. Eat as much salad in volume as you do other stuff, can't eat enough veggies, lean more towards veggies. This whole idea, by the way, I love you walk into a restaurant these days, what protein are you having? <laughs> yeah. There's never been a protein deficiency in the history of the There's no protein deficiency. Like this whole protein thing is an economic business discussion. Now, if you want 24 inch biceps, yeah, load up on the protein. But as my friend, Dr. Bishi says, you'll be the guy with the biggest biceps in the cemetery. <laughs> so if the goal is to outlive your competition, eat less animal protein, eat more veggies, get to bed early, you got to sleep, get to bed early. By the way, you could do another cold shower before you go to bed. You're going to sleep better. It's, it's really, it's not that hard. Really not that hard. Now, when we think of working on Wall Street, we don't think of health being at the forefront. We think of long hours, packing it in, and not getting exercise in. These lessons that your mom taught you, did these carry through your experience in Wall Street? And, and is that how you were motivating yourself and, and getting it done? 
I had gone off the rails when I first got on Wall Street and I was so enamored with the big dinners, $500 dinners, 10 like crazy expensive things. And it was, it was fun and exciting coming out of Queens, New York. But very quickly, I started to feel unhealthy. The pool was turning green <laughs> I, and I needed to feel healthy again. And so I got, I started running up and down the stairs in my building and sweating and feeling alive again and eating healthy and doing hot yoga. And then I started to brand myself as this guy on Wall Street that pushed all these things as opposed to the, the dinners and the drinking. I was, I was at the other end of the spectrum and it really separated me from my competition. It was very healthy. I helped guys run marathons. I did all kinds of crazy things that, um, again, were not popular in finance at the time, yeah. which is great for me because it, it helped me stand out and build a brand. And how did that parlay into launching the Spartan race? Well, I was doing a lot of races myself and I can't help it. I'm just a, a glutton for punishment. I'm an entrepreneur. And probably sometime in 1999, I said, I could do this as a business. This would be a lot of fun. Why don't I get this going? And then someday when I leave Wall Street, I'll have this business stood up. And I putzed around and tried to get it going. But the reality is, if you don't focus on something, it doesn't, doesn't happen on its own. And so I lost money for 10 years from, uh, from 2000 to 2010. My first iteration of this was called Peak, P-E-A-K.com. How do you become your peak, your, your best version of yourself? And then 2010, changed the name to Spartan because I couldn't really get it to work. The, form, the race format I had wasn't working. The races I was putting on at first were 350 miles long. There weren't too many people signing up for that. Changed it 2010 to Spartan, obstacle racing, barbed wire, fire, um, very much military inspired. And I wish I could tell you it worked immediately. It didn't work immediately. It was, it was probably five years from tw probably 2015, so 15 years in total before I, I got any money really um, dropping to the bottom line. It was 15 years of hell. And, and by the way, the reason is simple. Human beings are lazy. We are wired to be lazy, to avoid discomfort at all costs. That's why we go to our phone in the morning and check emails before we do the workout. We don't even know what's happening. It's all subconscious to keep us alive as a species. Don't go too close to that cliff. Don't go out in the cold and freeze to death, right? We avoid discomfort. I sell discomfort. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. 
Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I'm selling discomfort to a species that doesn't want any of it. (laughs) And that's why we sell so much shit to people. That's why we sell, you know, um, caffeinated, sugarized, caramelized uh, cereal, I think is the new thing Dunkin' Donuts came out with. Like, you fucking kidding me. (laughs) So what was the first race that sort of took off that format and formula that really set the bar for you guys and and got things rolling well i mean that first spartan event was a three mile sprint we called it um probably 10 obstacles at that event in vermont and you know 700 people showed up doesn't sound like a lot and i couldn't make the economics work with 700 people but put it in perspective that 700 people was more cumulatively than I had in the 10 years preceding to all the events over 10 years. So I was clearly onto something. It took five years to take off, but it took off. Right. When I think of Spartan races or any of the obstacle races that are now, how they're marketing is you do this, you're going to be confident. You're going to be better. You're going to be this person. You're going to be that person. It gives everyone an opportunity to push themselves, to set a date, to train, you were selling them what they're going to be and how they're going to feel after this rather than say, rather than the sell of, Hey, you want to go run this many miles? Uh, why or no. So would you say it was a marketing shift that allowed things to click? I think it worked. I think we had a couple of things in the environment that helped us. I think there were a lot of folks coming back from the middle East that had, you know, enlisted, in the military here in the US. I think CrossFit was becoming popular. I think Facebook was becoming popular. Uh, smartphones were becoming popular so you could see images of your friends doing stuff. So um, 
those were little psychological nudges that, wait a minute, my friend is having fun under barbed wire. And, um, <laughs> and then we branded it in, in a way like you described, like, because it was true. When you got to the finish line, you oh. were no longer a mom, you were a Marine. You were no longer a Marine, you were a monk, right? You were no longer a monk, you were a God. Like you, 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 you moved up the ranks in, in you know, whatever game you were playing in your life. So our first tagline was, you'll know at the finish line. Uh, simply because I didn't know of another tagline to use. And it was so like, there was nothing I could tell you that would get you to do this. Like it was just, (laughs) trust me, at the finish line, you will be a new person. When it comes to building grit and resilience, which I think is is so key with what's going on in COVID, is so key in business. And it's it's part of the 10 principles of the Spartan way, uh, which we love. You know, I think we would love to hear from you 15 years to, to success, right? Sticking with it. What did you learn along the way? And how did you keep going through all of those setbacks and something that you really love? How the hell did I stay focused and keep my head down during 15 years of losing money? You know, I get really focused on the goal. I, I, um, I don't like to lose. I go public with commitments. I'm telling everybody this is going to work. This is going to work. Now I have to make it work. I back myself into a corner. I don't have a plan B because plan B's will get you to quit. I don't like to give up on things. I twist and turn. And by the way, you hear it all the time about businesses that succeeded. They probably failed along the way. We failed a lot along the way. We fell down. We got stuck. So building that, that resiliency and that grit to keep going when it seems like everything's stacked against you. Certainly, those who are running the Spartan race have those gut check moments at the obstacles at the end. And that is so important to realize that that's a part of the successful process and mapping that out. Like there's going to be the lows and those who succeed are the ones who have the fortitude to push through those lows. Yeah. You know, they say that they say the tree that's the tallest in the forest gets the sunlight, right? The beautiful thing about human beings and what you're talking about, it doesn't require very much effort to be the tallest tree in the forest, right? Especially in a world today, when I think about kids, where they're not doing the work, they're not doing the physical education, not putting in the time that they used to put in because they're so stuck on devices. I tell my kids, hey, it doesn't require very much to stand out. If everybody was training every day and getting after it, if every business was sticking it out, it'd be so easy. I mean, it'd be so hard at that point to, to um, but now uh, people tap out. And so um, to be a success, I had 800 competitors when I started this business. 800 other race companies had tried to do what we're doing. They all quit. (laughs) They all quit. We didn't quit. We weren't smarter. We had a better name maybe, but we weren't smarter. We just didn't quit. And how did the, the Spartan Way come together? The book with the 10 principles and the Spartan lifestyle, obviously it's a big part of the brand. But those core values ring true personally for you as well as the race itself. Spartan Way, I was um, really interested in the journey to success that I messaged before to you. And, and I had given this idea away at a bunch of um, conferences where I spoke. And I just thought, you know what? These are ancient principles. If you, if you master these principles you'll succeed at anything in life. So let's put it in a book and get it out there. And that's how, that's how it came about. But I think 
I think it's applicable. The funny thing is when I, that book was, um, was done and I was given a talk to Delta force, which doesn't exist. Um, I was there and I was talking to those operators and one of the operators said, Joe, we agree in every principle, but there's one that's missing. I said, why? They said, community, you don't do anything alone. And I said, damn it. We just went to print. So I had to, I had to figure out a way to add that one more principle. They were right. They're right. Yeah. Nothing alone. You got, and even the ancient Spartans believed the only way to be successful in, in doing what they wanted to do was to make sure everybody was aligned. They surrounded themselves with like-minded people. And I think that's one of the credits to the race. You see time and time again, people helping each other over those obstacles. It's not just about your own personal glory, but everyone participating in that community to reach beyond what they think they're capable of. No doubt about it. If you worked out alone this morning, you'd go to level two. I might go to level two in my garage. We show up next to each other. We don't have to say anything. We're now both at level five. Somebody else shows up, we're going to level six. You don't even have to say anything. And we all have that governor, that internal, well, this is too hard. I want to be safe and I'm just going to push as hard as I can. And the second other people join in, that's alleviated. Come on. Yeah. And that competitive nature shines through. We also love this principle of optimism and I think it's so important, especially as the pandemic has gone on and, and many of us are facing difficulties in our lives what do you do as a, a daily practice or part of your life to keep optimistic with everything else going on around you? I would say you got to fake it. You got to fake optimism. But, but studies show, science shows that um, even when you're not feeling it, even when everything's going, by the way, you want to be around people that aren't optimistic? Like think about last time you took an Uber or, or met a waiter or a waitress and, and they were miserable. You don't want to be around people like that. So optimistic people attract people. They become leaders. You just, you make your own luck. And the more optimistic you are, the more luck you have. You know, like that pool analogy that you use, people need to reboot every morning. Each and every day just adds more trauma, more loss, more things to do. Another day of, of age. It's difficult to gain that perspective of how much things start to accumulate and start to weigh you down and start to beat you up a little bit. And it, so, and it takes community for somebody to say, hey, you're not where you used to be. Anything going on? Oh, you know, I never even didn't even think about that. And that opportunity to sweat it out in the morning, first thing, that's your reboot. That will put you in a place to look at the rest of the day and think about what you want to accomplish. You know, the technical term for those that did not clean pools for a living is backwash you need to backwash the filter clean the skimmers and um i would say yes first thing in the morning uh we need to clean the skimmers and backwash the filters i think in a lot of ways we talked about the physical the mental side of that is cleaning out the complaints and and facing the reality i think many of us choose the easier path and we just complain about all of life's difficulties and frustrations but we don't actually tackle them head on and we don't actually clean our mental filters, which are just as important as the physical filters. No doubt about it. And, and uh, you know, people talk about meditating. I, I, I get to a meditative state working out and sweating in my work. It clears your mind. Anybody who doesn't believe that, just go on a run or a walk or a ruck, uh, do an office, whatever. You get to a place where you just want water, food and shelter. 
a really quiet place. Everything has left your mind except water, food, and shelter. 1,000%. I think it's so easy in modernity to take the, the simple route and the safe route, and now we can get everything delivered to us. We don't even have to leave the house. We don't have to sweat if we don't want to. We don't have to do the hard stuff. But choosing the hard stuff is, is success is just the other side. By the way, at the end of our lives, we're not going to talk about the easy stuff. I'm not going to say, sitting on a rocking chair, man, we should have watched more Netflix a chance you're gonna say remember that time we went whitewater rafting and the raft broke and we almost died and we got washed up on shore and then there was a grizzly that chased us like those are the things we're gonna remember and talk about remember that time i was doing the art of charm podcast and it was really really important for my career my family was throwing frying pans in the background and the dogs <laughs> barking and no one like i'm gonna remember that Joe, there was something I picked up. I was in doing some research for this. I had an opportunity to watch the interview you did with Rogan, and I was laughing. There was the this kettlebell story, but but to go along with that is that you help a lot of people lose a lot of weight, and some of those stories were quite tremendous. And I imagine there is a there's going to be a talk before that mentorship and that coaching program starts about the journey that they are about to go on that they're going to need to surrender to. And I would love to hear how you at least breach that conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's as simple as, Hey, Mr. And Mrs. Um, give me the keys to your car and uh, your wallet. <laughs> You're on lockdown. Your <laughs> way has not worked. And so uh, this is the way we're doing it. And uh, it doesn't work any other way. So, and then they break down and they kick and scream and they want to go see a doctor because they need to get their liver levels checked. Uh, all of nonsense. That's just the brain trying to get out of the discomfort of doing the work. Could you give our listeners a little background of what that looks like? What I'm referring to is th- this farm and this land and the, the runs and the walks that they're going to be going on every day. I was quite... I'm not only amused, but intrigued by all of it. Yeah, we, so we have a 700-acre farm up in Vermont where Spartan was basically started. There's a mountain in the background. There, we put in a stone staircase uh, from the bottom of the mountain to the top. We did that by hand with a bunch of victims, we call them. That <laughs> a race on the farm. And uh, greenhouses. And for whatever reason, it's just a really rugged place. The weather's rugged. We just torture people there. And, and what comes out of it is a better version of yourself. You're, you're going to lose weight. You're going to clear your mind. You're going to be more resilient. You're going to find out what's really important to you. Hopefully along the way, you build something cool on the property. It could be a cabin or one guy built a little outdoor pizza oven. We just have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun on the farm. How long did the retreats for these participants last? Uh, until they quit. Some people leave it. <laughs> Um, some people like a few weeks we had i think the longest tour of duty <laughs> we had was a guy named mark jones might have been two years might have been a year and a half two years said it saved his life he was a veteran had some uh had some tough times and came to the farm and we just killed him but he was he was hard to kill he was uh unbreakable yeah sounds like it yeah he needed it 
Well, I think many in our audience listening recognize the importance of pushing ourselves physically and, and mentally to succeed and taking on those big fears. And if you don't tackle those fears, they will tackle you. And I feel with the races and, and everything you've built with the Spartan brand, it really is about that mental toughness and fortitude and challenging yourself. And I'd love to hear from you what your next challenges are to keep yourself sharp, to keep yourself motivated as we round out this 2020, which has been a trying year for many of us. My next challenge is to make it through tomorrow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going day by day. We, I'm shut down outside of China and some, some spotty countries around the world. I'm shut down. I've got a, still a large staff to carry. I'm surviving like all of us. That's my goal. Haven't forgotten my family, pushing hard on, you know, the standards don't change. Doesn't matter what's going on here, guys. The standards don't change. So we're still holding ourselves to these tough standards, working out every day. As soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm heading over to check on my son doing wrestling practice. I got to check on this Latin situation. Uh, and then, you know, we got some other brand, like Deca is a new brand for us under the Spartan umbrella. La Ruta is a brand we purchased right before. COVID hit, uh, Tough Mudder, we purchased before COVID hit. So I got we got some work ahead of us. Yeah. And we love asking all of our guests what their X factor is, what sets them apart to make them successful. And we think of our X factor as a blend of skill and mindset. What do you think you bring to the table as your X factor? I think I'm able to inspire people to do things they otherwise wouldn't do. And I think I'm kind of like a battery that just never dies like the energizer. I just don't stop. Such a powerful mindset. There's no reason to quit. Don't stop. When you look at my battery, they, they tell me it looks like it's always about to die, but it just doesn't die. <laughs> I would imagine you hear from your, your children, your family here and there like, Dad, can we just, just give it a break for a, a moment? <laughs> <laughs> Said one day, um, <laughs> I think, Mom, is this the wrong family? This like... I, there must be another family that my daughters one day said, why'd you marry him? Hard on the outside, smushy on the inside, my wife said. <laughs> like an m and <laughs> Or like an avocado. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets the smushy side, we get the hard side. Yeah. I'm working on it. Working she's, she's working on it. We love to end every show with the challenge for our audience. I have a feeling yours is going to be physical. What would you like to challenge our audience to do this week to, to push their edge and build that mental toughness? I'll change your life in 30 days if you're listening to this. Ready? I want you to wake up early, drink two room temperature glasses of water fast, knock out 30 burpees, and take a cold shower. Boom. 30-day Joe challenge. Two big glasses of water. You have to work, do the 30 burpees, get a sweat on, do it fast, make sure you're sweating, jump on a cold shower. That's it. Can't do that. Shouldn't even be on this planet. Move to another planet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you for joining us and your family. It was great meeting them and the doggo. Have a wonderful Tuesday. We appreciate it. Yeah, have a great week, Joe. Thank you. Awesome. I have to say, Johnny, what a fascinating backstory. I was shocked to hear just how he went from pool cleaning to running the Spartan race. You know, I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day, and we were talking about ultra athletes and just 
men in general who have this idea about grinding it out every day. And he mentioned about how absurd some of these, these lifestyles are. But for me, it's important that we understand, we learn, and we meet people like this because it only helps us see what's possible. And I know when I talk to people like Joe, it shifts my perspective on how I engage in the day. Joe is somebody who attacks today, and I like attacking the day. Absolutely. There's no better way to get after it than starting first thing in the morning. So I want to do the shout out for this week. I want to give it out to all the listeners who've shared, mentioned, and help us spread the word about the podcast this year. You guys are the reason that we're here and why we're on this mission together. Now, if there's anyone or any topics you would like us to cover this year, please do not hesitate to write us and let us know. We will do our best to get those topics out and get those guests on this show. We have a lot of great new content coming up this year. So in order to catch it all, make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Insta, YouTube, and join our newsletter to keep up because we plan on releasing plenty. That's right. You can share all of those requests with us on social media at The Art of Charm. Also, could you do us a huge favor? Head on over to iTunes and rate this podcast. It helps us get phenomenal guests like Joe and find incredible listeners like yourself. The Art of Charm podcast is produced by Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery. Until next week, I'm Johnny. And I'm AJ. 